everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Mache Mensfeld. You want to say hi? I want to say hi. Sorry. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm... Um, we had you on episode 402, talking about uh, Ruby 2.6 bugs, Kafka, and Karafka, and a whole bunch of other stuff. It was a fun episode. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. It was, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I've got some decent feedback, I would say, out of it. At least, like, you know, uh, uh-huh. based on my part of the discussion. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was it was great. Uh, they actually managed to fix at least uh, one of the bugs in Ruby after that. So, yeah, maybe oh, nice. maybe they they listened to it. Although. Uh, when I last time saw Aaron, uh, Aaron Patterson at uh, in Japan at, at Ruby Kaigi, he just uh-huh. poked me in my back and said, "Like, sorry, man, I remember about your issue, still not fixed." So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nice. it's super funny. Yeah, it, probably next time I see him, it it will just happen again. So I kind of I kind of like it, you know. It's uh, it gives you this this how to say it like a. Uh, Point of discussion. You can always mm-hmm. ping him. Aaron, how's my issue? And as as long as he as long as he he's not fixing it, uh, he will just say, "Yeah, still the same." <laughs> what a slacker that Aaron Patterson. He yeah. should just get get to work on it. Yeah, probably he won't. I mean, it's yeah. Some of the bugs in in, in Ruby are just high pri- priority only for me. So, yeah. Makes sense. So yeah, so uh, do you want to just give people a quick rundown as far as like who you are, where you're from, what you do, why you're famous, what you Am have I? going on in life, all that stuff. Am I? I, I okay, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, yeah, my name is Maciej Mansfeld. You can just call me Magic. Uh, the, the proper Polish pronunciation of my less formal version of my name is Maciek. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with Magic. Uh, I'm from Krakow, Poland, Europe. Uh, I've been doing Ruby for almost 14 years now. 13 mm-hmm. years, yeah, a bit about that. Uh, I'm the author of the most popular, wouldn't say the best, I don't know that, but the most popular framework for uh, working with Apache Kafka and, and Rails and Ruby in general called Karafka. I'm also a speaker at some of the conferences and recently i've been slowly slowly releasing and uh yeah this episode we typically just talk about you and your story getting into coding and things like that and just kind of give people an idea of who you are and 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 where where you come from what your background is 
And so I, I really want to just jump right in. How did you get into coding? Uh, it's a, I just like computers. Uh, long story uh-huh. short, uh, Poland, 90s, uh, the, the transfer, transformation after the communism. Uh, it wasn't an easy time. So people, like, they couldn't afford uh, Atari, Amiga computers, and after that, uh, the first first Intel-based computers with, uh, it was Windows 95 in general in Poland. So I always wanted to do something. And uh, like many other uh, young, well, children, children basically, because I, I was around 10, uh, I couldn't afford one. So the only thing I would have, I would have a, clone of, of Famicom, which in Poland is called Pegasus. It's uh, like the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, okay. And I would, I, I like the games though, I, but I, I was always interested in how all of the things run in the background. Because I had this uh, notion from TV that all of, the, all of the computers are just bigger calculators. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to understand how things operate under, under the hood. And at some point, I was persistent enough to get a, a Windows 95 computer. Actually, I, before that, I've got an Atari because I found one in my basement uh, with a single game and a single tape. But I at least, I still have this sensation of, of typing load and seeing how the, uh, how do you call them? The tapes, you know, uh, how, how all the things start running and the program starts loading and, and the computer starts beeping because they used to beep uh, mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, and yeah, and then I've got my first computer and video games started. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was, uh, it was probably the moment when I almost stopped going outside. <laughs> I, I would play with other kids. Uh, we haven't had internet then yet. Uh, but we had a really, really good market of uh, illegally obtained software, especially games. Uh-huh. It was really easy to get uh, illegal copies of as many games as you'd want, even without the internet. So yeah, like a fun, fun time started for me. Nice. So yeah, that was uh, how I got into computers as physical beings, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, well, at some point you get bored of playing games, you know, <laughs> how, how many real time strategies can, can you play before actually getting bored? So, uh, I figured out that I could try doing something else at, at that point, uh, in Poland, at that point, we used to have primary school, uh, like it, it's like a middle school and high school. So right. I, I, I was just supposed to go to this uh, thing in between primary school and high school. Uh, I, I, I don't think you have this in the US. Uh, we don't have it anymore in Poland as well. Uh, but uh, I just started playing with HTML and uh, something called, I think it's called AC Logo. So it's a really, really simple uh, software that is designed to teach children how to draw, how to create pro- software that would actually draw. So it, it has mm-hmm. sensation of loops, of uh, jumping towards certain places on the screen. So we like, figure out how to move objects and how to draw uh, shapes 
and I was super interested into it. In it, I was so I I still am. Uh, if I would have some time, I'll definitely play with it more. Uh, how to just do simple stuff. So, uh, this is how things started for me. Uh, and ongoing things just were more and more interesting. That's interesting. So, do you have some kind of formal education in programming, or did you just kind of? Uh, yes. Uh, in Poland, uh, you can if you go to a high school, you can pick uh, like a specialty. Mm-hmm. So, majority of people just pick a general one, or they they pick something uh, non-IT at the moment. I wanted right. to do IT. I already knew HTML, so how, how hard things can get from that. I know, right? Oh, it was like, uh, I, I still recall my first hacking sessions because all of the websites, all of the like private blogs, at least in the po- Polish internet, when, when my parents finally got like a internet that could actually work, mm-hmm. uh, all of them were JavaScript protected. So you would just see the sources and you would have the login and password. So right. you, you would, <laughs> you know, hack websites. Uh, and it it actually stopped for me when I noticed that some of some of the websites are uh, like server protected, and that would made me interested interested in how how we can do things like that, how we can create software that is uh, not statically generated and uploaded, uh, you know, HTML stuff, but actually like pre-computed or something is fetched from something. So uh, I, I started playing with the databases and all of the all of the stuff like the basic things mysql mm-hmm. in general uh in this middle school uh and i decided to take this path i was at, at that point i was uh, also uh training martial arts but i, I made my decision like okay you, you can't make a living out of it unless you're, <laughs> you're like really 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 good uh so i just figured out my chances in both of the industries, uh, and I, yeah, I just signed signed into a computer IT specialty, something something like that. I don't recall the the formal full formal name. Uh, we used to have, and I, I I come from a, a small town. It's like fifty k people, so right. it's not a and it's not a big place, but we have one of the i would say was based on my opinion but it's one of the best schools uh in poland in terms of it wouldn't say the best uh and th- i'm not quite sure whether the score would reflect it like the general score of the whole school or something like that uh but many many students still apply to the school because of a certain teacher uh Zbigniew Starmach and it's 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 super interesting how he teaches people and many people would say it's a bad way of, of teaching, but I would say it's, it's a way that elevates people that are interested in the subject and makes uh, people that aren't really interested in, in things that they are supposed to. It makes them uh, just fall behind. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, some will say that it's a really bad uh, way of teaching. But for me, it was amazing because it's exactly how things work when you go to a university. You're supposed to get the knowledge by yourself. Uh, and the 
you're not supposed to go to your uh, teachers or professors with every single simple question you have. You're like, you're supposed to dig and search for the answer and uh, until you're like, you run out of options, then you're supposed to go back and ask. So I had a really, really, really exceptional level of, of uh, knowledge that I, that I gained in, at, the, at, the, at high school. So it's, it might sound crazy, but we had certain topics uh, done on a higher level than at the university that I went. So I went out of the high school uh, to the first year of my, my university studies and for subjects like algorithms, object-oriented programming, uh, basics of databases, binary systems i was like yeah i don't i don't need to go to classes i'll just go to the exam because the 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 curriculum and all of the things <laughs> related to it are on a, on a lower lower level than i had them in high school and i'm up until now even today i'm super grateful to this uh teacher as, as i as i say his way of teaching people was definitely not normal but but super interesting. I mean, in how many high schools you actually work uh, in Pascal programming language with direct memory pointers. So you build like multi-dimensional arrays that you actually transform to build 3D visualizations of cubes, you know? Yeah. So That's it's cool. It is, it is MySQL, PHP, uh, Heavy, heavy stuff related to algorithms and uh, things. I wouldn't call them architecture and design uh, not in like the way we understand programming, but the basics of it. We, we, use, we were supposed to have, uh, I think like half a year or a couple months or about Microsoft Office. So we had one lesson, like you're young, <laughs> you should know that. I don't have time to teach you Office. If if you don't know Office, you sh you're not supposed to be here. So let's move on. Nice. So that's uh, yeah. It's like he challenged people in a crazy way. So he would give mm -hmm. us some tasks, and then he would uh, jump right in during a different class without knocking or anything. I would say like, yeah, I thought about it. You guys are too stupid to do that, so you don't have to. And you know it's it's offensive, <laughs> uh, it's a bit aggressive, but then it yeah. clicks you. Oh no, let's 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 tackle that one. Let's try, mm -hmm. let's try figuring that out. And uh, yeah, it, I still use the knowledge that I gained. Uh, well, both at the university and uh, from high school. So that's how that's how I got into PHP. <laughs> nice, good old PHP. Yeah, my my web development journey began with PHP as well. I had a friend that was building websites with PHP and MySQL, and it looked cool, so I started doing it too. Um, exactly. Yeah, you could make money out of it. Yeah. Um, so what did you do in PHP? How long were you building stuff with PHP? Well, yeah, I started in, in high school. Uh, in Poland, you have something like uh, Amazon or eBay called Allegro. Uh -huh. So... Uh, I used to build templates for it with CSS because at that time you right. could inject CSS and other things like that. So I had to get some money out of it. Then I would reinvest this money into IT books. Mm -hmm. 
So eventually I would be fluent enough in PHP to build obviously my own, the best content management system. Of course. Uh, <laughs> like it's everyone. Called, it's called Perdrus West. My, my was called Susano. I used to get names out of uh, Japanese uh, culture. Oh, cool. Uh-huh. So it was, yeah, the, the first content management system with a poorly implemented MVC. It was really poorly implemented. Uh, <laughs> uh, but still, I would get money out of it. My, I, I got $60 for my f- first website, like a full build website with a content management system. I was so happy. I was so happy because $60 at that point in Poland, uh, it was like one week of work at a, at a, at a factory. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, it was, yeah, the proud one of the best days uh, for me because I actually started, you know, building things and enjoying the work that I did. I used to take uh, during the summer breaks. I would go to a factory to just get some money out of it, but I wouldn't be happy with it. And then, boom! I've built something—a simple website—and you can you you can right. give it to someone. There's the admin panel, so they can they can change things. Uh, and yeah, so PHP it was for, for kind of a while till I graduated the high school. Uh, then I, 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 I was uh, hired in a software-based company. It wasn't a, a web-based uh, only company. They would do more of a system maintenance for, uh, for companies with, uh, that were doing some Microsoft-related work. But they still needed some PHP. So you know, why not? They pay. I work. It's PHP, so yeah. it's fun. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, it was just I was happy with it. How it's, did you get fun. into Ruby then? Uh, by accident. <laughs> mm. You know how it is. If you, if you don't know your options, you're happy with what you have, right? Right. So, uh, like, like with anything, if you only eat tomatoes and you don't, you, you aren't aware of other food and it's okay. It's just the way it is. So it was like that for me with PHP and it's worth keeping in mind that, uh, 14, 13 years ago, the, the amount of tutorials and all of the IT knowledge, it wasn't yet there. So we would have basic, uh, documentation, you would have details, but it wasn't that extensive and books, uh, Especially in Polish, no, that that was problematic. It still is. It's still mm-hmm. actually it's actually still is. But yeah, uh, after high school, at some point, I just stumbled upon Ruby. My one of my friends, uh, like you know, random friends, not mm-hmm. related to anything. Uh, we yeah we used to have a communicator like facebook now messenger called gadu gadu and uh he just posted me oh like look this 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 language has a really weird syntax it's really interesting uh i've been doing some work in it and it, there is a framework called rails you can try playing with it <laughs> and i was so frustrated when i started it was the pre rails point 1 version there wasn't uh, the bundler was not not existing. So, yeah, right. Ruby gems were so you would have to type all of the things by yourself to actually install proper versions. And 
you know, you're af after high school, so you're not exactly fluent with uh, Linux. Mm -hmm. I've been using Windows, and it didn't make things easy right. for me as well. Uh, but that's uh, yeah. After after a while, and after googling what is WSDL and what is Prototype, uh, there there wasn't no jQuery at the moment. I actually figured out, hey, it works, and I can I can prototype things so fast. I don't have to have extensive knowledge of, of SQL, and I, I can actually do things. And I never like JavaScript, so now Ruby allows me to have this magical helper methods that make things blink or disappear and there is ajax and all of this works so yeah i, I this is how it actually started uh doing ruby and uh, i always had a side project so if i would have a notion of open source at that point i would probably open source everything mm -hmm. but uh, yeah i had a side project it was a website about uh Japanese manga called Naruto. I have heard of that. Yeah, it's just a you know guy with yellow hair doing mm -hmm. all magical stuff. Uh, it was quite popular. It was run, it was uh, running PHP, and I decided let's move it to let's move it to Ruby. Let's move it to Rails. Uh, we had a decent traffic. Uh, I, it would be around like twenty thousand unique users monthly, which mm -hmm. is. At that time, Ruby 2.8, it was more than enough to, to make it a bit slow. So I, I rewrote it to, uh, to Ruby on Rails 1.0. Yeah. So uh, you start rewriting this site to Ruby 1.0. Did you yep. make a... Rails, Rails 1.0, Ruby 1.0. Yeah. Did you make a career transition at that point or...? Yeah, it was... Well, I decided that it's it's time to change a job, and as we all know, changing jobs every two years gives you the biggest advantage in IT world. Yeah. So I I decided to uh, change a job and like go full scale with with Rails because at at that mo moment it was like for everyone uh, doing Ruby at that time it was Rails and Ruby was just like something underneath. I decided to go full scale with it. Uh, the company that I that I worked in uh, wasn't happy about that because it was, uh, <laughs> you know, you couldn't run it with Apache, so you had this weird something called Webrick. You'd have yeah. to have a different deployment process. All oh, of the things things. were, yeah, they, they were different. So, uh, so yeah, I, I decided to to change a job. I've created a CV. Uh, I had this website and the calls available for, for anyone from any company that would like to hire me. Mm -hmm. And there, there was a, a really good company, an amazing place. That I love uh, recalling it. It was called Aranel, uh, a Krakow-based uh, software house. And it was one of the first companies in Krakow that would do Ruby on a bigger scale. And oh, a bigger nice. scale, I mean like beyond a simple context management system. Uh-huh. Uh, so so what happened? I got there and I I uh inherited a project that was written in Ruby but without Rails. It was written with Padrino. Uh Padrino is a framework oh, wow. built on top of Sinatra and it was like yeah. pre pre something 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 version. 
mm -hmm. one of the authors, Nuthatch, uh, a really great engineer and a really great guy, uh, he used the, the company's project as like a battlefield to make Padrino better. And <laughs> initially the project was designed and built with Rails, but at some point he decided without consulting it with anyone to change it to Padrino. Right. Uh, so how, 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 you know, will things go well if you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they don't. They don't. Uh, Not necessarily for the next guy, right? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get any documentation. There weren't any standards at the moment. So right. the code was messy. It was a mix of many technologies. It was a really complex piece of engineering. And at, at that point, everyone would use MySQL or PostgreSQL and it would be that. So uh, I've got RabbitMQ, several like workers in building mm -hmm. Python because of the concurrency, all of the other things that were moving around, uh, WebSockets. Oh, mm -hmm. and it was an action cable. No, <laughs> it wasn't that easy. Uh, so I've inherited a project that was actually not working. And uh, my only task would be to actually make it work. Uh -huh. uh, it took me a while. I think it, <laughs> it, it, it took me several months to actually get it running and produce proper results. The project oh, was no. super interesting, though. It's still on the market. Uh, and it's a system for evaluating a website in mm -hmm. terms of uh, accessibility for uh, disabled people. So like, you know, blind, with color vision problems, stuff like that. It actually uh, also analyzed the complexity of a language used on a given website uh, to estimate whether the, the website is like for specialists only or for uh, general audience and, and, and things like that. So. It was a pretty, pretty nice project to get uh, a more complex engineering knowledge out of it. So yeah, I was super happy of work. I'm super frustrated as well, but yeah, a mixed feeling, I would say. Yeah, Padrino always looked interesting, but uh, I never actually built anything with it. I've, I've definitely done things with Sinatra. Um, in fact, right now I'm working on a podcast traffic counting system built, you know, the, the main endpoint Sinatra, because I only really have one endpoint for it. And the rest of it's all done with uh, sidekick jobs and things like that. But yeah, um, I, I remember looking at Padrino and going, oh, this is this is an interesting, you know, alternative to Rails. It was. I, I wouldn't recommend it. Never. <laughs> I don't know how it is now. Uh, yeah. It was my only project that I uh, actually built with it. Um, so yeah, at at some point, uh, like everyone, you need a change mm -hmm. every every several years. And at that point, the the owners of the company they sold half of it or even more. So there wasn't many people left, right? And so many projects. So I, I just needed something else. And uh, again, I've moved away to Rails into a company called Data Feedwatch. They would optimize uh, Google, yeah, Google advertisement on uh, Google AdWords, I, I, I guess, or AdSense, something like that. It was many, many years ago. Uh, so they would take all of your Google Analytics data that you would uh, have. Mm -hmm 
with the API and they would try to optimize your uh, marketing spendings using some oh, okay. using some pre AI algorithms and and stuff like that. It wasn't called how do you call it now machine learning. It wasn't called like that. It was just right. called optimizations. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the project was really good. Uh, I, I was in general. I'm I'm quite lucky in getting a decent project and uh, meeting amazing engineers and amazing people on my uh, during my career. So it, there there aren't many bad stories. Some, but but not many. So I was happy with with what I did. We we started a second project in this company. I started a, a different platform. Similar in the purpose, optimizing something uh, that actually grew so much that it outgrew the base project. So they shut down the the main one. Oh wow! They, they they went with the with the second one, and I still meet people in Krakow because it was Krakow based. Mm-hmm. Uh, that say, "Oh, I saw your code. It wasn't that bad." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you hear that after six, seven years, yeah, that's uh, you, true. Yeah, man. It, 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 it probably was really good at that point because uh, we engineers often often uh, forget that the current code base actually re- reflects the whole of the history. So uh, it is never never only the, the the today's work, but many years of development. So obviously, every every one of us would do many things in a different way. Certainly, I would. But uh, if you hear something like that after so many years. It's still a nice yeah. feeling, especially since I build it with Rails and I uh-huh. use so much the Rails way uh, that I wouldn't use now that uh, I'm quite astonished that people still like it. Yeah, I understand that. I had a project that I worked on as a freelancer and I actually pulled together the team that worked on that phase of the project with me. Um, and we we never actually finished um, the the owner of the project wound up pulling the plug and hiring a, because we were all contractors. We were subcontracted to somebody else who had kind of botched the whole thing. And so, yeah, he wound up hiring people in house. And so I'd run into people and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I worked for simple finance and I saw your code. And you know, I'm like, yeah, well we never quite got to finish it. And it was like, well, you got a good start. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. It's a, a good reward by itself. Right. When yeah. someone says that, yeah, I, I can agree with yeah. that. They they don't know how poorly we would have finished it. That's what I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I was happy there. I yeah. I've uh, I worked there many years. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many. I would have to open my LinkedIn, but it was at least a couple awesome. years. And uh, so, where are you at a, now? Uh, now I'm in a company called Castle. Uh-huh. Castle.io. Uh, Long story short, we do uh, account takeover mitigation. So we detect that someone that's, long story short, it's a bit complex. I'm not a salesperson, please keep that in mind. Uh, If you sign into a website, we detect that you actually aren't you, even if you claim to be. So uh, yeah, we use like many, many signals to, to figure that out. And what is super interesting about this project is the scale. We have a lot of data, and I really enjoy working with systems that have a lot of data. Right. This is how I actually got into Kafka uh, and Karafka. Many, many, many years ago, I needed a system that would allow me to 
asynchronously process a lot of data. And this is what I do on a daily basis. I have a lot of data. I'm super happy with it. Cool. So you just grind through the data, huh? Yeah. Well, not that simple, but yeah, we have <laughs> we have many streams of data. I think with in terms of volume that we process with single Ruby processes, mm-hmm. uh, we're one of the decent companies. We some of my some of my some of our systems that I, I only built handle around ten thousand requests per second from a single oh, wow. process. So that's that's kind of decent. I could mm-hmm. go beyond that, uh, but I, I'm still optimizing the new Karafka release to actually right. provide so many cool features that I definitely need to blog about at some point. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, but uh, we do data, and it makes me happy. And we the, the company is uh, a lot about open source as well. So I because we use my open source and my non-open source that is going to be open source. Right. I have a I have a chance to actually combine working with a lot of data with working on open source, working with great people, and many good Ruby programmers are also from Krakow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a great place for me to be. Nice. Yeah, we're starting up a data data science podcast as well, so it'll be oh, fun to go into that. Yeah. Yeah. That. That. Oh, I would love to listen to it. If if you do that, please like mail me or or something. I yeah, uh, we'll let you know. Yeah, I'm not into podcasts, but uh, I'll definitely uh, listen to this one. Yeah, I've, I've this is how I got to Castle. I've got involved in something called Krakow Ruby User Group. Uh huh. That is one of the one of the biggest Ruby groups in Europe, local Ruby groups in Europe. Right. Fourteen hundred people in general. Oh wow. Uh, we meet on a monthly basis, once a month, uh, excluding summer break. We drink beer and we ask companies to pay for it. And they always do. <laughs> they always pay for our beer. And last month, we, we actually hosted a, a bigger event, two days long conference. Uh, we uh, called KRKRB because mm-hmm. of the Krakow, Krakow RB. Right. Uh, we invited a couple really, really good speakers, in, including uh, Hitoshi Hasumi from Japan, that is one of the people uh, behind MRuby and MRuby C, mm-hmm. the embedded Ruby. Uh, he came here from Japan. He did an amazing talk. He did amazing workshops on programming uh, microcontrollers that have 40 kilobytes of memory with Ruby. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, that's awesome. He, you know, uh, his company, company that he works in called Monster Lab, uh, they actually did like production uh, setup with the hardware and all of the things for uh, Japanese Saka Brewery. And they did it with MRBC. And I was, when I was in Japan, I was listening to this, uh, listening to the translation of this talk because you never know. I was astonished. So, and last year I just mailed him, "Hey, you know, you don't know me, but I'm from Poland. This, this, not big, but not small country from from Europe. Would you like to visit me and like give a talk or maybe do some workshops on on MRBC?" And he he replied, "I, I think in a couple hours. I would be delighted. Here's the list of the things that I would love to see. And some of them I actually had to Google because I had no idea we have stuff like that. So." Uh, yeah, it was amazing. We invited, uh, or people invited themselves. Uh, 
really good speakers, including Piotr Solnica, uh, the guy behind uh, many of the trial libraries, Virtus, Romar B, uh, Anton, the, one of the people behind Hanami, and uh, several other really, really good speakers. And we had so much fun because we did the whole conference in the brewery. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the venue was uh, in the brewery, the lunch was in the brewery, and the after party was in the brewery. So, yeah, really, really, really nice event. Uh, we, we've managed to pull it as a, as a non-profit. So, as always, we just ask sponsors, companies from Krakow and, and Couple International to give us some money so we can actually, you know, have fun for their, for their cash. And they did that. So I'm, I'm super grateful to all of them. 10 companies uh, were helping us organize Karkarbi. And it, it went really well. I was super exhausted, but I'm super happy. And in general, I like uh, sharing knowledge. Right. I like uh, people. I like talking about engineering, uh, discussing a bit more complex things. I, I don't like to go into Rails new. This is how to do a blog post, you know as a content management system, but I like the more complex stuff. So I always try as a, as a community runner in, in Krakow to bring some of the people that will actually elevate the whole community. Right. Cool. What's the coolest thing you've built in Ruby? Mm, open source or not? Either way. Uh, with open source, I would say uh, Karavka. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah. Let's define what is the coolest, because uh, what's what's also, your favorite thing you've built in Ruby? Um, Koditsu. That's the platform for uh, static analysis of, of Ruby code with some security stuff and, and other things like that. I, I talked about it at Ruby Kaigi as well, so uh, the, the the talk is online from like a week, so we can easily Google that. But uh, I would say Koditsu. It was the a really complex piece of engineering that I do as a soon-to-be open source that is really well designed. And uh, I don't like to price myself, but it's pretty well designed and integrating new tools or, or changing sh things uh, that would seem really complex. It just takes me hours maybe. So I'm really happy about that. I'm obviously really happy about Karavka. Uh -huh. And I'm super happy that people use it. So yeah, that two coolest things that I've built. In terms of products, uh, I have too many NDAs to actually be able to expose, but I did some uh, banking software, uh, like analytics platforms for banks, for uh, scoring customers, things uh, related to, to this area of, of uh, banking software. And people say, oh, the banks run always in Java. That's not true. They also run on Rails, sometimes yeah. even MongoDB. So, uh, Ooh, so yeah, I did, yeah, I did pretty, pretty, pretty interesting things. I was every single out of my, all of my projects, I could say good things about every, every each of them and bad things as well. So cool. Um, what are you working on now? Uh, Castle. Mm -hmm. I'm working on, uh, to be exact, I have NDAs, so I don't know how right. much of it I, I can expose, but... Uh, right, but Castle and Karafka are things that are... Yeah, I do. Even today, I work uh, 
on developing like a semi pro it's not a programming language it's a language for describing behaviors that mm-hmm. uh, you can use to change how castle operates uh long story short but it's really interesting because you're like able to design uh a simple language i'm not doing that myself i'm also using jams and uh, all open source things that are available but yeah i'm working on castle and uh karafka as well i'm now uh working on the hot code reload with sidewerk mm-hmm. really great library it's built the, the way it is built is amazing so it took me 20 minutes to integrate it into a jam one mm-hmm. hour to build a POC of hot code reloading, and it's a bit more complex than uh, implementing it to a simple, a simple HTTP server because you need to remember that you have like a constant connection with Kafka, so you don't have uh, a new right. HTTP connection with each of the data chunks. You actually have the persistent connection, so you need to keep that in mind, and you need only to reload certain granular things while having some of them intact because you need to have the same data flow. Uh, but yeah, that's I've built a POC and now I'm trying to make it solid. I am working on some of the dry uh, libraries, especially dry monitor, and I'm uh, helping Piotr Solnitsa finish the dry validation 1.0. It's funny because I'm not releasing Koditsu because uh, Karavka is blocked by dry validation that is blocked by Piotr Solnitsa that is blocked by me. So, <laughs> so that's, yeah. Yeah, this is majority of the things that I, I'm building now. Nice. Uh, so one last question, and then we'll get to picks. And that is, what does a day in the life of Majay Mensfeld look like? As far as, you know, not, not necessarily like coding, but like when you get up until you go to bed, like what, what do you spend your time on? No, I wake up and I eat always two eggs. So I wake up, I set up the egg boiling machine. Uh-huh. I turn it on, I go to get a shower. The moment I finish it, the eggs are, are already ready with a tea. So usually I eat uh, like breakfast with my wife. If she's mm-hmm. not sleeping. She works from home, so it's easier for her. I work remotely, but we, we have an office as well that I like. Uh, I hit gym quite frequently, especially dur- during the morning, because mm-hmm. uh, I like the sensation that it's already behind me you know right i don't have to worry about that uh i get a morning coffee i, I would say that i'm like just usual stuff programmers do so drink a lot of coffee type some letters on the keyboard reply a couple emails uh and i get back home and then depending on on what we want to do with my wife we do many things <laughs> whatever that is so right. uh yeah it, Typical stuff. During the weekends, it depends on the weather, depends on the season in Poland. Now the weather is kind of shitty and it's either raining or it is supposed to rain and it's cold. So we rather stay at home or, you know, go right. somewhere, or visit parents or a family. When the weather is nice, we really enjoy hiking. So that's one of the activities we, we do during the weekends. Right. So if I'm thinking... Uh, I'm going to go to Poland. I'm going to go hiking. What are some of your favorite places to go hiking? Uh, how do you say anything? I, I don't think there is an English uh, name. That's fine. Just say it in Polish and then type it into the chat. <laughs> okay. We have something called Chukorone. Uh Wait, I need to open the chat. Oh, here it is. 
or Dolina Pięciustawów. Uh, we have several types of mountains in Poland. So mm -hmm. depending on which type you, you want to go, you can uh, visit some of them. They're of the different... Uh, how do you say that? You need to have certain skills to go to some of them, uh, different right. levels. So, yeah, but majority of them are just okay. So if you don't have any health problems, you can uh, easily go to majority of them. Oh, this one is nice. You'll like this one. Yeah, Dolina Pinchustavo is definitely one of my uh, one of my favorite because you have like five lakes really really oh, yeah. high, high in the mountains so it's uh it's really amazing and it takes so much time to get there and you feel so exhausted and then you go and there's this shelter and you buy a beer and you're like 10 times more happy than before nice do you do fishing and stuff up there or just hiking? no no it's illegal i i don't know if that if there are any fishes any fish, huh? any fish. Any My wife fish. Would, be, would be mad at me to say fishes. Yeah, uh, I, I, but it's it's illegal because it's like all of the area is uh, protected and you're not supposed to do Got any you. hunting or anything like that. It's actually, yeah, really bad if you do that. Gotcha. Well, then I won't do any fishing. No, there are many cool places uh, yeah. to visit in Poland. And uh, when Hasumi came to Poland, I was, first I was like, okay, what can we show to, to him to actually make him interested in Poland? But then when you start list, listing things, and when you start recommending restaurants, places to go to visit, places to eat, places to have fun, two weeks is definitely not enough. And if you ping him, I'm sure he'll tell you the same. We, have, we had so much fun. Sounds good. All right, uh, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Well, as I already said, uh, my recent thing that I that I found that I love is Zeitwerk, the mm -hmm. the Rails Autoload Jam. It's it's really really amazing. So that's one of my picks. Uh, but I don't have second of them. Yeah, sorry All for right, that. Uh, I'm gonna jump in here with a few of my own. So one of them, and uh, this episode will go out next week as we record this, so I'll have the page up by then. But I have been playing with the idea of doing an online uh, sort of meetup group. And I'm, I'm kind of working through some of the ideas behind it, but essentially what I want to do is something where um, we have a talk by somebody out there in the Ruby community. And the cool thing is, is since it's online, they can be from anywhere. And so um, I'm calling it Everywhere RB. Oh, that's amazing. It's and really, really amazing. So anyway, I'm also doing it for JavaScript everywhere, JS. And, and what I'm looking at doing is uh, we'll have the talk and then um, we're going to use Zoom, which is an online platform for video conferencing and things like that. Um, that's actually what we're using to record today. But um, I think on the webinar, I can have up to like four or five presenters at a time. And so what I'm hoping to do is just kind of have a roundtable chat. And people can raise their hands and we'll just kind of bring, you know, we'll rotate people through so that people can have the conversation um, and, you know, and just chat about whatever, um, you know, so when they come on, they'll say, hi, I'm so-and-so and, -so, and I, I live in such and such. So, you know, 
you mm-hmm. would say, you know, my yeah. name is Maciej and I live in Poland and I work for Castle and, you know, um, we've been kind of dealing with this kind of an issue and I was hoping to get some feedback and then we can just kind of sit and chat for a little bit. And then if somebody else says, you know, I've dealt with that so we can bring them in and then they say, hi, I'm Chuck and I'm from Utah and uh, I work for devchat.tv and when we were dealing with this problem, we did this and we can kind of have that conversation and then um, just have an online forum that people can join. And so it's like, hey, here's the Everywhere JS forum, you know, go sign in and then you can have the conversations there or in the Slack channel and just kind of create this online community for anybody out there anywhere. Because um, as I've been working with people who have been trying to find jobs, they go through a boot camp or they go take a course. Um, afterward, a lot of times they have trouble finding a community that they can be a part of. And sometimes it's because there's not one near them. And sometimes it's because the one near them is just not at a good time or location for them. And so I, I kind of want to create a resource for everybody to come and interact with people. And then, yeah, if people wind up meeting people that they can hire or get hired by or make friends with or pair program with online or anything like that, then I really want to enable that. So you could extend that to remote conferences at some point. So I used to, would, I used to do the remote conferences and that's, that's something that I would like to do. Yeah. I'd love it. Do that again. In fact, you're the, fourth or fifth person that said that something about remote conferences to me this yeah. week. So I may have to just do it. I may have to just suck it up and do it. Cause I know how to do it. I've done it before. So do it. There's so many great people. that are only like limited by, by the distance or time. Yeah. That would gladly jump on a call, present their topic, show their work. Yep. And you know, they're, they're cool open source and, not always, but software stuff that they work on. And yeah, do it. I can recommend you really, really great people. So if you decide to, to, to do that, just ping me and yeah. Yeah, I probably will. I just have to make enough to pay my team for their time putting it together is really... Yeah, to do it how we do it in Krakow. We just ask companies and they give us money. So yep. promise some advertisement make the advertisement and usually it works one of the things that that like i don't feel that i overuse uh like sponsorship and contacts but what i what i found really interesting in the ruby community in krakow is that the companies are actually willing to help so Mm -hmm. when we put a website we we got so many calls from so many companies. Hey, I've heard you, you guys are making a conference. Why didn't, why didn't you call, call us? We want right. to help you. How much money do you need? And I was, I was just blown away by, uh, by the, the, you know, by all of the great feedback that we, we've got and all of the trust the company are, were putting at us. So. Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely have enough to cover the, the costs. Yep. Yeah, probably. I just need to reach out to them. And I know who they are. I know who to reach out to because they sponsor the podcast. So. Ah, yeah. Win-win. It would be, yeah, great deal for everyone. Yep. Yeah, it looks like your uh, conference in Krakow was, what, last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, fi- did you find a website? I did. I found the website, so we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. But yeah, yeah, we were, the the idea was to make a affordable conference, 
Yeah, they would be accessible by anyone. So the tickets would be for fifteen dollars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifteen or sixteen dollars, something like that. Uh, the workshops were a bit more expensive, but it was it was still several hours workshop for sixty dollars, fifty dollars. Right. Yeah. So I I still feel that it's more than affordable. Yeah. Actually, join it. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm I'm really tempted to pull pull them together again. All right. Well, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Uh, I have a website where I blog, mansfeld.pl, not complex. Uh, with the same surname, you can find me on GitHub, and uh, you can find some of my talks on YouTube. I mostly talk about Kafka and Karafka, and recently I've been talking uh, at Ruby Kaigi 2019. I've been talking about uh, taking over gems, which is not taking over over the maintenance of it, but rather figuring out how to hack them and how to do bad things with Ruby gems and exploring some of the, they aren't technically vulnerabilities because they're features, but exploring certain features to inject code into other gems or infect the bundler process and do other uh, illegal stuff and mm-hmm. how to how to protect against that. So what you can do and how you can attack other people's software right. and what you can do as a software developer to make sure that it does not impact your software. Yep. I highly recommend that. It's not an adver- advertisement, but majority of people that I spoke with weren't aware of it, weren't aware of some of the problems that come with when you only do bundle, you don't need to run the software. You can just, the only thing you need to do is to run bundle. And I already have your SSH keys. I've already wow. already infected all of your gems on your machine. And I already did many bad things to your system. If you only bundle my gem. So. Interesting. We might have to have you on Ruby rogues and scare us all to death. <laughs> no, it's not, it's actually comes down to just reviewing. Uh, sources and uh, just being aware of uh, certain limitations of how Ruby gems operate and how GitHub operates. And that's, that's enough to keep you safe. Cool. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.